Red Vines, making cottage cheese taste good since 1986. Mm -mm music. podcast where we're going to watch every movie from new world pictures i'm ryan with me as always is mark i watched this movie <laughs> and erica hey so did i <laughs> and yes we all watched this movie which movie are we talking about we're talking about 1986's omega syndrome syndrome neo-nazi Terrorist organization. Ruthless. Merciless. And out of control. They call themselves Omega. But now they've started something with the wrong man. I'm talking about my daughter here. You gotta help me, Philly. I want my daughter back. Let the LAPD take care of it. They took the only person in the world who cares about him. Corbett's Jack P. Vietnamese Medal of Valor, Silver. I gotta know where you're going, Jack. Watch us, tutor. I can't get anything out of it. Maybe you don't know how to ask. U.S. Army, 1969. <laughs> now, he'll do everything he can. These babies on rock and roll, pal. Infantry, MOS, rifle. Well, you make Uzis look like muskets. Because his way is the only way. Tell you whatever you want to know. To get his daughter back alive. Vietnam, July 69. He'll have to destroy Omega. My Say goodnight, Gracie. The Omega Syndrome. Starring Ken Wall. The thriller of the year. Man, you can really feel Ken Wall's energy in that trailer. <laughs> it's, it's pretty impressive. It's infectious. Um, it's infectious. <laughs> Get infected with Omega Syndrome. <laughs> uh, that's right. Omega Syndrome is sponsored by Kentucky Fried Chicken and Quaker Granola Bars. <laughs> it, it, yes, it is. You've already touched on one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> all right. Hello. All right. Uh, this is directed by Joseph Manduke, his only movie for New World. He also Shocker. directed uh, 1975's Cornbread Earl and Me. The 1977 Western Vengeance with Lee Van Cleef. And uh, lots of TV. Uh, Falcon's Crest, Hawaii Five-0, an episode of the Amazing Spider-Man live-action TV show from the late 70s. And this is written by John Sharkey, who wrote this, and then 1988's Double Revenge. And then he said, I have said everything I need to say, and I am done. I've said it all through Double whatever it is double revenge i uh, almost was like i uh, had to look back at my notes was double revenge really the title it is double revenge and omega syndrome um uh, this this movie is 
not anything like I expected it to be. That's like, true. At Agreed. All. And, and with that, let's go around and find out what this movie is about. Let's talk about what uh, Omega Syndrome is about, starting with you, Mark. Um, Omega Syndrome is it's a lesson in appreciation of how much better cars are today than they were in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, there are cars in this movie. There's a car chase scene that I, mm-hmm. I was truly worried about the people driving those cars because they do not <laughs> seem stable or able to go that quickly. So I have never appreciated my car today more than after watching Omega Syndrome. Erica, what is this movie about? I mean, obviously it's about the dangers of sugar, Ryan. Weren't you listening to Grandpa's Rules? Yep. No so true. sugar. So true. Sugar is dangerous and That's leads right. to kidnappings. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Um that's funny. I thought this movie, to me, this movie is a dramatization of uh, the difficult lives that are led by freelance journalists. Um, I mean, this is, it's like, you think they have it so easy, you know what I mean? But like, they have it tough. Like, yeah. they have to get in car chases. They get their daughters taken. Like, it is rough. Yeah to be uh you know anyway so you can't spend any time with your one night stands it's just back to work that's right back to work that's right hit the streets find your daughter get back to that story yeah track down your leads um here's what here's what it's really about according to letterboxd which has a pretty good summation on this one by the way we're all on we are on letterboxd so find us new world podcast um an ex-gi's daughter is abducted by a gang of white supremacists he calls on one of his former army buddies, and together they set out to track down the gang and rescue his daughter. Uh, oh, that—that's not—that's not wrong or inaccurate. Um, but I, it took me about ten minutes into this movie before I realized he's a journalist. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm thinking like ex army guy. He's like, you know, he's some badass. He's a he's a I don't know, like a a, a, a vigilante, or he's you know doing something. He's a journalist. Yeah, yeah. but they, they lead with the journalist stuff first, if you recall. I, w- I, I guess I was recall. I, I yes. was already so <laughs> bored by that moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they lead with the journalist stuff first because like Doug McClure is like gives him grief and like isn't he's like, we don't need you creatives or whatever. Furthermore, he talks to his daughter and his daughter talks to him about like being a writer and he's working for some newspaper. And then he gives her a book. And then later on, then Doug McClure's partner, Al White, he then um, uh, tells goes through the whole laundry list of his service in Vietnam and in the army. And Doug McClure keeps trying to bat it down because he's not a fan. Anyway, we're jumping no, no, ahead. No, I, I, I get that. I get that. And he talks about uh, writing for the third most read newspaper in Culver City. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Which uh, <laughs> was a very L.A. joke. Yes. yes yes but i still i guess it's just going against the typical typecast to be like your badass vigilante hero in this movie uh-huh is a journalist is a journalist by the way super accurate though because if there's any section of la that would have three local newspapers it's probably culver city so that's probably it's <laughs> pretty take accurate. that culver city <laughs> feel that burn <laughs> 
Oh, I don't like the Culver City Gazette. No, thank you. No, I'm no. part of the Culver City Cadillac. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible name for a newspaper. It's, yes. No, it's, it's just about cars, Cadillacs <laughs> in Culver City. It's for all the Cadillac enthusiasts in Culver City. It's the fourth, red, fourth most read newspaper <laughs> yes. in Culver City. Yeah, it's not quite a newspaper. It's a monthly. It's a, it's a magazine. <laughs> it's a it's leaflet. A, it's a cereal. It's a leaflet. Well, I just want to say uh, this this one was my pick, Omega Syndrome, and I believe, Mark, you had asked me like online or you texted me why, <laughs> probably yes. after you'd watched this. Yes. And the answer is uh, because I wanted to mix it up because we'd had, let's see, Cockfighter and then Return of the Killer Tomatoes and... I just kind of wanted to mix it up and and and, and uh, throw in an action movie, mm-hmm. and for that, all I can say is you're welcome, guys. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I was curious, funny. like when the action started <laughs> in Omega Syndrome. What did I miss that part? Where are the action? You're welcome. You know. Uh... All I learned was that sugar leads to kidnapping. I thought I made that quite clear that I did not think action was involved. Yeah, it's action. Uh, Ken Wall fighting white supremacists. Uh, you're welcome. Um, you know, some no, no, no. Some no, no, might no. say, but re- what about the results? Because results matter, and I say no. I say no. This yeah. was action packed with with at least five minutes of pure action. Yeah, spread amongst <laughs> pure, the, pure the running action. time. So to rephrase your statement, it's Ken Wall searching for white supremacists, and then eventually, very briefly, fighting them. yes yes um speaking of where to watch this if you want to watch this you can uh you can tubi is the place a scorpion also has a blu-ray and that's what we all watched oh we did because we love money well spent (laughs) that's right that's right we um there's no extras on the disc but it does look very good but i think the tubi one also looks good from what i kind of just checked it out briefly um, you might be able to find it on YouTube, but it's a really lousy copy. So if you want to watch this, come back to what and pick up where we where you left off on this podcast. Go ahead and watch it on Tubi, or go buy the disc, wait for it to arrive, and then <laughs> and then you know uh, get back to this podcast. I was really bummed personally that there wasn't any extras on the DVD. I was yes. really holding out. You know me, I love a good bloopers reel. Sure. I'll take some, you know, deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, the the reason for that is that this movie actually has not had a long life post VHS. Once it came out on VHS after its small theatrical run, it kind of has not existed on physical media for some time. So the huh. fact that this just came out, I think, in 2020, the Scorpion disc. So this is um, this is a relatively new disc and a new transfer. So I think they probably were like we're cleaning up this movie that most people don't know anything about. Maybe we'll leave it to the next, you know, company to me, if this takes off uh, that maybe they'll add some extras. They saw that there was a a box set of all the uh, remastered box set of all the episodes of wise guy. And we're like, we got to hop on this quickly. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) I just want everybody to know that that previous part, all that was off the dome, fresh off the dome, straight (laughs) off the dome precious childhood memories no, no memories I, of our wedding gone gone forever because they've been replaced we're by, married we got they, married they've been when replaced did that happen? by omega syndrome facts um by well, the way really quickly the poster to this by the way which is 
largely the poster you see, not the original poster. Like I found like an old VHS poster, but the poster that's on the Blu-ray that is not representative mm. of what this movie is. And as we've talked a lot about like picking movies based on posters, I also thought action movie, Ken Wall, white supremacist. Look at this crazy cover, which looks like the gimp got out of the basement and, I... you know, grabbed an automatic weapon <laughs> and started firing. And you're like, okay, this insanity, that ought to be weird. But it, it's that, no. that person never makes, never appears. There no. are guys in masks briefly, but they're not leather. They don't have yeah. leather studs on them Mm-mm. on the, the, you know, so I, 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 that's it's just not that's not uh, and that's why i want that bonus content i want answers where is that guy or girl (laughs) oh yes yeah no that's true that's true Uh, where's that person where's that character we do have a great cast in this movie uh just quickly to go through it xander berkeley as the drugged out yo-yo we got Nicole mm-hmm. Eggert of Baywatch fame Woo! as the easily kidnapped Jesse. Mm-hmm. We've got Colm Meany uh, as Sean, who is an IRA member. I don't know. He builds bombs. I have no clue who he, I don't know how he relates. We'll get into that. I have no clue how he relates to anything in this. Doug McClure, if you remember from Humanoids from the Deep. Oh, yes. How could I yes. forget? Uh, hmm. As Detective Milnor, whose office looks Milnor. like a utility closet. Um, <laughs> but he has he has his name on the door yeah um al white as milnar's partner um sergeant carlisle who had done tons of tv shows and tv movies up until he played second jive dude in airplane that's probably his most well-known role mm-hmm. um that is legitimately what his name was called uh his character was called i should say he also plays a small role in black moon rising so he plays, uh, I think, a mechanic or something. Eventually, um, con- we'll talk about that movie. And we will talk about that eventually. And he's continued to play tons of cops in TV shows, so he's still around. George Dicenzo. He looks like a cop. He does look like a cop. He, yeah, yeah, he's got a, a cop, cop look. Cop character. Um, but, you know. George Dicenzo, who plays the... Re- he actually played the ridiculous, high-waisted, short-wearing coach in 18 again, if you remember that. Oh. Remember oh, the sorry, coach? 18. Just, again! Ah. Sorry, yes. <laughs> he came in and just had those high-waisted shorts for no good reason. Um, so he plays uh, Philly, or Philadelphia Phil Horton, who is the uh, wise-cracking knucklehead partner of Ken Wall in this movie. Um, he was like more famously known for ba- being in Back to the Future and Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. But he also did a variety of, uh, in looking him up, he did a variety of cartoon voices including Captain Lou Albano and Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, amongst mm. other, <laughs> other. Wow. Um, I love a movie, by the way, that starts with like at least five minutes of no of not the main character like this mm-hmm. does. Yeah. This movie is like, it seems like it's Xander Berkeley's movie to start because we really get to know him and his wild ways is they shoot a couple on the street, just some yeah. innocent people walking down the street. Walking their groceries home. I know. Jeez. Terrible. But they're white supremacists, so we know that they're terrible people right off the bat. So we know that they're not the heroes, but we haven't seen our hero for like a while. Um, and then we, the and it's all about like let, making you understand that there's an Omega tattoo on these guys. That seems oh, yeah. to be that, their big goal. That message is hit home very hard over and over again. Yeah. I never thought that another uh, icon could be deemed 
uh, more dangerous, more worrisome, more uh, more scary than like the Third Reich symbol. But this movie says Third Reich symbol is kind of like a lower level bad thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the Omega yeah. Syndrome, the Omega symbol. Now that's real shit. You that's yeah. danger. You got it. Yeah, what's, what's funny is that they do actually have like a Nazi symbol. They go into a guy's house at one scene, and he has like the Nazi flag. And then another guy, they pull. They keep trying to find guys with these tattoos, so they pull up their arms to see if they have the tattoo. And this guy literally has a swastika, but not the Omega tattoo. Right. And they're but, like, ah, you're fine. But the beginning of the movie is like all these white supremacists have this Omega tattoo, and you think, oh, well, they're just not trying to be like check out my swastika but no some guys truly are just wearing swastikas on their arms yeah. and having the nazi flag in their apartment so like i i don't anyway that's maybe that's the they were just minutes. all a part of a lesser fraternity from revenge of the nerds yeah or maybe one was like a horseshoe that just got misinterpreted yeah, not every tattoo artist is good. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, right. You don't understand how much I love horses. Or maybe you. I don't. I don't hate other races. I just yeah. love horses. Yeah, giddy up. Let's go. <laughs> what if one of the guys truly was one of those? He just had his horseshoe in the same thing, and they got confused. And he was just looking for friends. He, he was just know. like, "Hey, I'll be friends with anyone. I'm lonely. Just I just a... have horses for yeah. friends." LA is a lonely place, and so you know. He just got. It was just a big miscommunication. I, I, I was. I just, my subscription to the the Culver the, City the Culver Cadillac, City Cadillac <laughs> just went up. I've got nothing to do. Oh, I just you couldn't want, renew. No, well, it is an expensive. Publication. It is. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of money. <laughs> um. So it also, they also get a guy who used to be in because it's printed on Cadillacs. <laughs> <laughs> why was i waiting so much i was really like oh he's gonna love this it's printed on cadillacs that's the stupidest thing i've ever said oh no you've you've done stupider don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> um so they're also like in the beginning they're taking um they're taking a member of the omega the omegas um that's the group they all have these tattoos. They're taking him, I guess, to witness protection. They're, he's in a prisoner, like a prison van. Yeah. And yeah. in the most obvious setup in the world, the yeah. Omegas attack and kill the cops taking him. Yeah. But yeah. not the actual guy. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you can't be perfect all the they, time. They have uh, like a, uh, a tow truck just parked in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. where apparently they're going and parked in the middle of nowhere on a dirt road that anyone would say maybe we can just go off the road sure and go around this tow truck because it's dirt also yeah. so, wouldn't you stop like a little bit ahead of it they drive right up to the car they're <laughs> supposedly towing yeah and just go right up and go what are these assholes and then the guy the cop steps out with a shotgun in hand i'm yeah. like do they are do they just know something's going on? Because they no one's told us anything. Yeah. They're like, what are these uh, assholes doing? And they get out with the shotgun. I'm like, what what is happening? If this is just like an actual toe situation, like this is gonna escalate things. This is really gonna... also before they even get there, the the prisoner is saying, you know, you you got like these Omega guys, they they don't mess around, they're gonna come after me. They exit uh the I don't know, 101 freeway. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy on the corner with a giant walkie talkie. 
wouldn't that be a dead giveaway that they might be onto you? Also, in that same scene when they're exiting and you see the shot of the van driving down the ramp, that van is empty. There yeah. is just because the way the light's hitting it, you can see all the way through the van and it is empty. There is a driver only. I even said to Ryan, and I never catch details like this in movies. And I was like, Ryan, that van is empty. There are no, there's no prisoner. There's no cops. It was second ta- unit. Second unit. T- Hold on. They could have been taking a nap. That's why they, <laughs> that's why they missed the guy with the walkie-talkie. Nap They're like, now. well, we're in here. Right. Because once we get on that country road, it's too bumpy. It's a dirt road. So take the nap now. Seriously, where are they going, though? They're driving from downtown, yeah. where, where you would make sense. Downtown LA. They're uh-huh. driving a prisoner. They're driving him to a prison? Where are they going? I don't know. Like it's just a it's just a van. It's a there's nothing to this van. It's very nondescript. Yeah, also logistically, they're leaving the prison, but they went into downtown off the 101 and then got on the 110 to head north. Why would you do that? Yes. (laughs) I don't also that's a very hey LA, you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Come on, LA, back us up. <laughs> the prison is off the 101, not well, on the 110. The, the Denvers and the Bostons that do like to pick up our show now and again are like, well, I, well I'm fucking lost. I'm lost here. This is my favorite podcast, and now I'm totally lost. I don't give a good goddamn about your freeways. <laughs> that was probably the best accent I've ever done. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Wow. Um, I can never recreate it. Uh, when we finally do meet Ken Wall, our hero, he is at a Ken bar Wall, and Ken he is Wall. badly playing pool and uses that to hook up with a lady that we will never see again. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She is gone. Mm-hmm. She is here purely to have a one night stand. But did he count Erica? Yeah. Is there one? Yeah. No. Oh, no. no. <laughs> zero. There is None. zero. There is really? zero. I, Your one I... job. That's your one job. <laughs> I feel like your self-pronounced job. You took this job on yourself. I said like I will we... be in charge of watching for the titties and we... counting them. Oh my god! There is none. There I is felt zero. like we didn't get a peek. No. Wow. No. no. All right. That's I guess how you felt. How sexy it was. You kind of felt like we got one. I felt we like didn't. we did. We get nothing. And, um, and from and from hey. the very beginning, Ken Wall has the energy of of a fucking fruit roll up. You're just like. <laughs> He is uh, coasting. He's coasting. Yeah. Sticking yeah. to that rapper, if you know what I mean. <laughs> he um, he is. He's decided that he already cashed the paycheck. Uh, I think didn't he get uh, an Emmy nomination for Wise Guy? So he's like pretty much Golden, at his Golden peak. Globe. Golden Globe. But he's yeah. at his peak right now, and he's just like he read the script. He saw that van. With no one in it, and he went, "I know what movie I'm in. I'm just gonna coast through this one." This is actually this is actually pre Wise Guy. So then, why do they say Wise? Did he get cast in Wise Guy because he said Wise Guy so many times in this movie? <laughs> I it all sort of came around the same time because '87 is the start of Wise Guy when he's on that. So I thought this is- was the other way around, and I thought they were saying Wise Guy as a bit to call back to the mm, fact that he was no, in the movie or no. the TV show Wise Guy. No, that oh. this this is his last. No, this mo- this his makes last... even this makes even less sense. <laughs> yeah, you're you're watching this going, oh, secret meanings. No, there's none. There's none. There's no secret meaning. 
You're like, oh, they must. That must have been on purpose. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. No, nope. it wasn't mm-hmm. on purpose. Mm-hmm. His one night stand. This must mean something. It doesn't. It means nothing. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. It does showcase his very tiny apartment. Very though. tiny apartment. It's very so tiny. small. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's real tiny. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just because I did the research, the lady who plays his one night stand is is Patty Tippo, Ooh. who mm-hmm. does nothing else for New World except. She's on the Sledgehammer TV show. Oh, so okay. um, she's right. not a, not a, not one of the main roles, but I think she has a recurring for a bunch of ones. But anyway, yeah. um, so when when once we learn what once Wall leaves this one night stand in a shitty tiny apartment, so we learn that being a reporter does not pay. Uh, he goes. We find out that he has a daughter, and and we meet the grandfather, Doctor Pearson, who uh, is built played by Bill Morey who played the Deacon in Death Race 2000 oh. and will turn up again in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. But Ooh. I know him best from being the voice of Mutt in the G.I. Joe, a real American hero <laughs> cartoon <laughs> that I grew up watching. Um, <laughs> so, which is, would not honestly, did not hear that in his voice whatsoever, <laughs> but looked that up later and there you go. And uh, of course, he's not happy with Ken Wall at all. No. And neither are we at this point. Yeah. They're like, what None the hell is talk. happening? Yeah, come on, Wall, you roll up. Let's do it. Uh, so, and for no good reason, seemingly, at least at this point, they are, the Omegas are watching all this go down. So, in like some sort of bad TV episode, mm-hmm. we see the bad, we know who the bad guys are, and they're watching Ken Wall pick up his daughter and they're watching him. We got Xander Berkeley like on the corner, like checking them out as they drive away. And we have no idea why. Well, the reason go- it will will come out later. And it's so dumb and convoluted and weird. But um, well, not weird, but it just seems like uh, like a little bit overkill. Their plan, their 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 plan here seems like overkill. And to what end? I'm not a hundred percent. Other than they don't want anyone to know who they are. They don't want to know anybody to know who the Omegas are. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, Mark. No, I, I, you're right. I, in fact, by the time you find out what their plan really was, it, it you're like, really, that was it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but He's Dr. Pearson, but we don't really like, what, we don't, we don't know find, he, we we don't don't know find out, out that he's a doctor until about an hour into the movie. He said he calls him Dr. Pearson to the cops. So that's how we kind of know once his daughter's taken. But like, that's almost kind of meaningless. But we don't find out what the reason is and why they were watching him and his daughter and why they kidnap her. Because he stops at a liquor store to get her some candy, quote unquote. Yes, Daddy needs also, candy too. Daddy needs candy too. Daddy also, also's getting candy. If my dad took me to a, a liquor store... Not that he didn't when I was growing up, but if he took me to the liquor store and said, "Let's get you some candy," and by candy it meant I'm gonna, I meant I'm gonna hand you a pack of quarters and go get them from that vending machine, I'd be like, "What the fuck? You couldn't get me a candy bar? Like I've got to get some Mike and Ike's out of this little <laughs> vending machine over here? 
<laughs> what also, is happening? Also, Nicole Eggert is like what? Guess at her age at this point. I don't know what it is, but what is her age of the character? Thirty-five. So if she's like <laughs> fifteen, like is she just like, oh sweet, a piece of fucking candy? Why don't you get me a fucking disc man at this point? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. because Grandpa was strict about candy. That's right. That's right. Grandpa said like, no sugar. No sugar. We all so, know that's so. Do they policy. stop at an AM PM or a Seven Eleven? No. Or nope. uh, uh, a Circle K? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. They, they, they stop, stop in a nondescript a brown nondescript building. <laughs> literally with no signage. Yeah. And they're going to go in there and get some candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the equivalent of a stationary rape van that they're jumping into to get candy. <laughs> this guy said he's got candy. We just have to get inside the van and close the door behind us and lock it. But then he says he has tons of free candy. But in this case, it's not a it's not a van. It's a trust building. me. I'm your dad. Just trust me on this one. I'm. It'll be fine. So she's going to get some. I don't know. Uh, Sour Patch Kids out of a vending machine. Not not a package. The kind where you turn the little dial and it dumps it out into your hand. While he's going to pick up like some four roses from behind the counter. He goes behind <laughs> the counter yeah. to go buy this. Yeah. He put. He grabs a bag. He is. Stealing a bottle of bourbon <laughs> from this place. A good bourbon, though, like a quality choice. No, it, I mean it is. It is delicious. But then they, they, the Omegas come in, rob the place, and kidnap his daughter. Yes, and we, we again, we don't learn why they're doing this. I was going to say earlier, they don't, we don't learn why they're doing this for 53 minutes. Right. At yeah. 53 minutes, we finally learn why this is going down. But it's important that Ken Wall gets his ass beat by these guys kidnapping his daughter so he can get a crucial piece of information, which is, again, not the tattoos we saw the first five minutes, but this odd necklace yeah. that then the camera pushes in only it doesn't push in. This is an editing trick where they kind of pushed in. This is something you can do now on editing equipment, like really easily where you just kind of push in on something, but it's not focused. Right. So right. because yeah. it's film, so they kind of push in on the editing thing. So you just get this muddled, like blurry shitty look. I don't even know what the yeah, but necklace I, I thought, is because I, I can't see it. I, I saw it on the disc too. The disc looks good. The scorpion disc looks good, and I couldn't tell what the hell was what the hell was that necklace. I can't I even it tell. Was blurry because he was not. He was about to pass out, and so yeah. it was through his eyes that yeah, he too. was seeing like this blurry thing. It's blurry so only barely... because they're pushing in, and they did not shoot oh. this originally. Well, they, tomato, they did tomato. It. You they... were technical, and we were seeing it through the eyes of Ken Wall. You were like just letting your imagination make that all. Yeah, work. we were lost smoothing in that it. out. Lost. So, in it. After that, we spend about 35 minutes exploring the world of Ken and his buddy trying to figure out where his daughter is, while at the same time, the Omegas are hanging out in what I have to assume was a failed venture in opening up their own gymnasium. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they have, a, they have all this workout equipment that they're using. No one else is coming in. They're in a building that is all boarded up. One of the things I loved is they have in one room spray painted on the wall, kill. Like <laughs> mm -hmm. when you spray that on mm -hmm. an interior wall to yourself, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like posting political things on Facebook. 
you're you're only talking to yourself and your friends who all agree with you. Mark, so, it's a reminder before you go out. It's like putting a post-it on your on your computer screen just so you don't forget. You're like, just kill. <clears throat> oh shit, that's right. I gotta kill someone today. I forgot. Spectacles, uh, testicles, wallet, watch, kill. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I thought that, or I thought it was like a motivational message to fatties who were trying to work out in the gym. Like, come on, kill that fat. Kill it. Sure. Could be. Kill it. Kill those weights. And it, it feels like there's only three people in that building at any given time until yeah. the end, which we'll get yeah. to. Yes, right. But right. The, <laughs> the Omegas, uh, I, I mean, they're mating like rabbits because there are three people in the Omegas, and by the end, there are a hundred. And I yeah. don't know where they all came from. Yeah. Well, we only got to see the uh, the main offices of the what will be one day a gym. <laughs> or, no, I, <laughs> think really, there's, I think there's a prequel All movie the other people where they, like where they, below. There's a prequel <laughs> where they tried to start a gym and it failed. And right, it was called right. Omega Gym. And then they all got the Omega <laughs> That's Syndrome. That's the syndrome. That's yeah. the syndrome. Yeah. They're like, get right. the syndrome, That's Omega Jim. Right. Yeah, actually, the, the title on, on. makes way more sense for the prequel than it does for this particular movie. We'll fund the prequel and we'll we'll show it as a double feature with steaming. <laughs> well, you gotta you go you can't forget like it's also uh, Ken Wall and and uh, and his buddy uh, Phil, Philly, uh, going around. Uh, but also we also have the cops. Let's not mm-hmm. forget about uh, yeah. our cop buddies. And their super fun interplay as, you know, uh, our uh, Detective Milner is on a diet from his wife mm-hmm. and is constantly, constantly looking for a snack. And is, and is <laughs> only one time does he actually get a snack. And that, of course, is a Quaker granola bar. <laughs> but outside of that, he is just, he wants a snack so bad and he stopped by just luck of the draw, like by a bad vending machine. He stopped by uh, Sergeant Carlisle who stops him. Like, and that I think is supposed to be part of the funny comedy of this movie mm-hmm. is watching Doug McClure just get frustrated by wanting to have something to eat. And then we have the fun interplay of Philly and uh, Jack, Ken Wall's character, uh, right. of them going around <clears throat> somehow knowing the names and addresses of white supremacists, where do they get that? Where you just they... go under W in the white pages. You just find it there. So, <laughs> Look, it's really they... easy, Ryan. Ryan, it's 1986. This is easy. Okay? Easy stuff. I could have like, done that. I could have they... done that shit in high school. It was easy. Okay. They looked up in, they looked up in the white, well, no, in the yellow pages, they looked under white right. supremacist gym. And then they right. were just like, oh, shit, that one. Yeah. Right. Got it. So um, they actually find out some information by going to an old buddy, an old journalist buddy, maybe. Uh, maybe an editor. I'm not 100%. But they go to him, and he's like, hey, I wrote a couple articles. I'm not an expert, but I'll tell you some things. And uh, he mentions to them, and this is to Jack and to his army buddy, Philly, he says, hey, there's like an Omega member the Omega member from the beginning of the movie, he's still alive and he's in the hospital. So, as you would imagine, they're trying to find out where his daughter is. There's an Omega member still in the hospital. Cut to the hospital, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) They go out and talk to other... This is where they talk to the other 
right. white supremacist. And it's like, did the journalist dude give him all these addresses? And they're but, like, oh, oh, for four, you know, uh, like how many names and where did you get them? And what are you doing? But remember, we're talking about a journalist, not a private detective. Ken Wall <clears throat> right, is right. going to try to get as many sources as possible mm, to mm. justify his his article he's trying That's to right. write. He's <laughs> That's not, right. He, a PI, a, a private investigator would be like, this is the path of least resistance to get to the end of what I'm trying to solve. Uh-oh. He's not trying to do that. Ken Wall is like, wow, my daughter got kidnapped. This would make a great story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've right. got to write this up. Yeah. I also yeah. want to go back to what you said about the sergeant and about uh, uh, Ken Wall's character and his buddy. Th- th- totally, this movie's like trying to be very, it's very dark at the beginning. Then all of a sudden, they try to bring in this sort of comic relief of like the diet and then how, um, what, what's Ken Wall's buddy's character's name? Philly. Philly. Philly is, he's always like, let me do the jokes. I'm the yep. joke guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're trying to do like, oh, there's a comedic <clears throat> buddy like mm-hmm. situation going on here. <clears throat> I, I just felt like to give it, it totally. It never worked. I'm like, wait, no, why are you no. now doing that? That doesn't, it doesn't match the beginning of the movie. There's <clears throat> nothing lighthearted about this movie at all. Yeah. It's like a very, you know, dark. It's like about white supremacists. And you're right. They are going around town, like having this funny buddy repartee. Like, look at us. Just ugh, we ran into another dead end on white supremacists. Jack. Ugh. Like, it's like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. But the um, movie doesn't start that way. It moves into right. that. It get, yeah. It yeah. So you're there. like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, there, from the opening scene, when we're introduced to Ken Wall's character at the bar, which we have already covered, he's not funny or charismatic or anything he's just he's very dry and then all of a sudden we're supposed to take him as a light-hearted person once well he, he does tell his... a joke he tells a joke that's his first line is he tells a joke about you know the person getting bad news from the doctor uh that, it's not a good joke maybe that's that's what <laughs> it, threw me off. it charmed it charmed old <laughs> charmed the pants right off, off of old patty <laughs> patty tippo tippo uh, Sorry. what we do get out of them searching around and going to all these door to door for white supremacists, um, perhaps just checking to see if they're, they've had any Cadillacs. What we do get is this amazing, uh, uh, car chase that Mark was mentioning, which had, were they used, not only are you talking about like a bad era for cars, they also chose two of the worst cars. And I'm wondering oh. if you can help me with this, Mark, because I can't tell what the white supremacist is driving, but Philly's car is a light blue Chevette. Yeah. It's a Chev- uh, Yeah. The Chevy Chevette. And the other and it one looks almost, almost like a hatchback. <clears throat> and it, is. it, yeah. And it's, it's like a ludicrous car to, to, to think you're going to put on any, any sort of car chase, but I don't know what the other guy has. It looks like kind of like a nondescript, um, you know, undercover cop car from a, like a 1970s. It's an Oldsmobile, but I don't okay. know what it, which one it was. Neither yeah. one is what you would get in a car chase with. Like, yeah. it, like, and, and at one point it's, they both go to round a corner and the Oldsmobile like is going way too fast and just slams into the curb, which you can tell was not what the plan was because they then, you know, show them continuing to drive and there's no damage on the Oldsmobile. So like, <laughs> right, this was right. obviously a mistake. 
And I thought someone got seriously hurt in that car because there's no airbags. These are, these are uh, not made for chasing. There's no roll cage in there. <laughs> yeah. Someone was like, I really screwed up on that one. And the Chevette I, does a jump at one point. It does yeah. a jump over stuff. And I was like, like it goes through like this pile of dirt, kind of jumps over the dirt and goes through the dirt at the same time. And I'm like, this car is not, should not be in anybody's chase scene. No. I realize you don't have a ton of money. You have to get any car you can, but this is a terrible car. But they had 27 Chevettes. And so that helped. <laughs> yeah, I guess but, so. But also a, a pile of dirt sitting next to a road that's being used for construction is not going to be packed enough to just jump over it. You're going to plow right into that and basically destroy your car. Yeah. They're, like the fact that they jumped, I immediately thought like, well, that's the end of that chase because they're going to completely, it's like a head on collision with the mountain of dirt. And the fact that they jumped over it, first of all, impossible. Second of all, the fact that the car kept moving after the jump, I was like, wow, I need to go buy a Chevette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe is the worst car or maybe it's the best car. And I just don't know it. So not to skip a bunch of stuff, but we, we not start, skip a bunch of stuff. We yeah, skip a bunch of stuff. <laughs> We're going to do learn. it Omega syndrome style. Let, we'll figure, we'll explain it later. We'll explain it in 53 minutes. We, we <laughs> learn about the plot of what the Omegas are trying to do, which is to steal the granddaughter of dr pearson so then dr pearson can inject the one living omega who's in the hospital who by the way they didn't make sure he was dead they had in the beginning of the movie they have bazookas and they blow up cars and vans but he falls out of the back of the van onto the dirt and they don't go over and shoot him in the head yeah they just walk away like mission accomplished yeah we're on a dirt road let's just walk on home to wherever this uh old gym is there's and then he's in the hospital there's no police officer watching over this no there's no no, security nope there's like, and then, okay, so so the cops end up in the hospital looking at this guy. This is where they do have one cop. There's one guy who's there who says, I've been on the Omega task force for six months, and this is the only lead we got. And this guy's like, maybe going to live or maybe not. There's one Omega member in the hospital. Just happens that Doug McClure and Al White happen to be there. They just happen to be there to check on him, I guess, because Ken Wall was talking about Omegas and... They just said, well, maybe we should follow up on that just a touch by going to see the only guy of the Omegas that we know about that's in a hospital. And at that moment, they go to a uh, the elevator and they see Dr. Pearson. Now, I once got a note on one of my sitcom scripts that got the note came back and said, there's far too much convenience in terms of all these characters coming in and seeing themselves at the end of this pilot script which I was like, you've apparently never seen TVs and movies because here we are in Omega Syndrome. Doug McClure happens to just go to the hospital when he's saying no to the Omegas the whole time, sees Dr. Pearson, does not know him outside of Ken Wall, mentioning Dr. Pearson as they close the door on the elevator goes, that's it. They're getting right. him to do the, th- like, <clears throat> and they freak, and he puts it all together. I was yeah. like, that's the most, the shittiest built to moment I have seen. And it does. And it's so convenient. It is based on nothing but pure convenience. But what makes it even better is that he comes to this grand awakening, which I mean, as the viewer, I was like, uh, okay, sure. 
Then he's like, how do I stop this? And the guy says, oh, they took out that button years ago. Mm -hmm. Why would you take that out of the elevator? Yeah. Yeah. Under any circumstances, why does that make sense? Yeah, that doesn't... Then they don't necessarily get out, run up the stairs. They still just get out of the elevator. So I'm... I don't know how that happened. They said they got uh, uh, Sergeant Carlisle says that security took out the button, the stop button. Why would security do it? And why would they take out something that would be a, a very important thing for security? I don't know. Yeah. And then I don't know how they that, just that, get out of the, and then somehow the doors just open and they get out on the same just, floor. Well, it sure looks like it. They have to run up the stairs. Remember they oh, had to run oh, up the they stairs. do run up the stairs. Okay, I'll cut <clears throat> yeah. all that shit out then. Uh, so they do run up, but still, uh, it, that just doesn't make any sense at all. But they, they've like what we have watched through all this time is them kidnap a girl, they kill a doctor so that Doctor Pearson, the grandfather, can fill in for his shift. They kill him like in a, at the top of a car park. So yeah. he can take the shift and then they give, show him a picture and they're like, you don't want your daughter to end up like this. You've already kidnapped the doctor or kidnapped the doctor, the doctor's granddaughter. Do you need to kill a doctor to really put the pressure on him? No, You've because they, they, do his say, daughter. they do say that they were going to try and talk with him, but he, that he fought them. Remember? Yeah. And so they had yes. to kill him because they were going to try to blackmail him and it didn't work out. So no, then no, they, they came out. They thought they were going to have to blackmail. They were going to try to see if they could blackmail him, but they couldn't. But they, but that means like, well, but you're already blackmailing the other doctor. You don't have to even worry about this guy. But they just killed him. To it just is like, we're what is happening here? It, there's easier ways to be like, look, you have to do this. We have your granddaughter. If you don't do this, we kill her. Like you have to do this thing. Like you don't have to kill him. You don't have to do any of this other stuff. Mark, it's unnecessary. Should we be concerned that Ryan said? This whole part about, um, you know, the setup, the kidnapping and the killing. There's an easy way to do this. <laughs> is that, does that seem like a red flag that we might want to just. That's between... what made me upset. It was just like, these guys are fucking amateurs. And I yeah. can really tell you how to do this shit. Okay. Think, we'll take that offline, Mark. But I'm just wondering, <laughs> like, are me and my children at risk? Currently? I, I think. I, I think that's bonus episode 14. Yeah. Uh, is Erica and the children at risk? <laughs> Ryan, All right. we're going to have a special guest, not including you, on that episode. Yeah. His yeah. name is Sergeant Mc... What, what's the sergeant's <laughs> name? Whatever the sergeant is of L.A. County, he's going to be yeah. here. Talking he's going to come in with a pocket of red vines and ready special to talk. Interview. I hope he's got my Cadillac magazine. Because... <laughs> All right, it's time for our favorite uh, segment on the show. Things we loved and things we hated. Yes, we're going to talk about the things we loved and the things we hated about Omega Syndrome. Mark, let's start with you. What's something that you loved? So one of the things I loved uh, is um, the final battle. Uh, so at, at the very end of this, they finally uh, figure out that where the white supremacists are and they're going to go and rescue Ken Wall's character is going to go and rescue his daughter. And so they get into this big fight. But this whole final battle scene is like when you play a video game and you set it on like super easy level where, <laughs> where bullets never come near you 
and they're a very easy to find strangely set tables and chairs that you can hide <laughs> behind. Like it was mm-hmm. the easiest fight mm-hmm. scene I have ever seen. And I was like, Oh, so this is like the ultra easy level of trying to end this movie. Uh, because at one point they are hiding behind a pallet, like a stacked stacked pallets of wood. And right. they're like walking with them as uh, somehow they're on wheels and they can push them. Yeah. While a guy 15 feet away is shooting at them with a machine gun. Now, but wood stops bullets. No, it, no, it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. <laughs> Wait, what? It, it, it no. And, and especially thin pine that's used for a pallet. Okay? No, no, no. And so they, they they go behind that. And then as soon as that comes near a post and they have to move away, there's conveniently a giant round table leaning against another post that they can hide behind. I'm like, this is this is almost slapstick. It's so funny. <laughs> that that rooftop fight that Ken Wall does, like that's mostly his stunt double, right? I mean, that's entirely his stunt yeah, double. Yeah, like I mean, 99%. Like that wig that, because Ken Wall has some like a real serious mullet going on in this movie. Yeah. And like, that the it's mullet a gorgeous wig, mullet, the, the, it is a it's very gorgeous. pretty mullet. Yeah, he wears it well, but like the mullet on the stunt guy is not as is pretty recognizable. Kind of made me think of Wet Hot American Summer <laughs> when they had yeah. like you know yep. the guy like riding on the motorcycle, right? And then suddenly it cuts to the <laughs> and the hair is not and, even moving; it's just yeah, stuck. Yeah, it just made, I was like, God, this is like yeah. Uh, Erica, something that you loved? I actually liked a lot of a lot of different scenes but i think in general i just liked all the footage of 80s los angeles yeah because los angeles is a place and it's a city that is constantly changing businesses are constantly turning over there's always improvements and renovations and there still are those shitty nondescript uh corner stores though so yes oh yeah thank god some part of the culture here has remained plethora of those but they're all they're I also not called candy stores. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're just abandoned shops. <laughs> but I kind of like seeing all the different shots of that. But I think if a scene, so that was just kind of, you know, something I love, a little extra for your ears. But I think that, as, are we doing my favorite scenes? No, no, no. Just uh, things you I'll love. I'll save it. I'll save it. <clears throat> but right, that's favorite what I loved. Scene comes I loved, I loved uh, just all the shots of Los Angeles. I, I, I did love, love that, that too. too. Even though, and I know Ryan will get to you in a second here. I, I Even though I, I, I made fun of the fact that they got on the 101 when they should have, or they got on the 110 when they should have got on the 101 leaving the prison. When they get on the 110, that, I, like, I used to work in downtown LA quite a bit. Like, that on-ramp, it's all, like, there's a palm tree and it's all green. And I'm like, man, in 86, it must have rained a lot because that is normally shit brown and full of trash. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm-hmm. huh, downtown, that on-ramp was nice at one point. I yeah, appreciate that. Pretty nice shots of LA in this. It's definitely, yeah, there I, are. I, that's, it is worth uh, just to kind of see some of the LA porn, <laughs> just to see if you like, if you like shots of LA, this is, this, this is like a porn movie for you. Um, I loved uh, Xander Berkeley in this. Sorry to interrupt, Brian. Mark, is that a second red flag that you and I should take <laughs> offline? Just just wanted to note that quietly and separately. I Guys, I love porn and I know how to kidnap people in a much more efficient way. It just is uh, nothing. Uh, correction. He loves city porn. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you want to see him at a scenic outlook, 
maybe just let him have his moment. Yeah. yeah. Give him That's time. what people are doing when you pass by people at City Outlooks and they're just staring. Mm-hmm. They're just thinking, what's the most efficient way I could kidnap somebody and make sure somebody <laughs> can do what I want? What a gorgeous <laughs> vista. I can't wait to kidnap someone. <laughs> I wonder if I can take them here and what they would think. <laughs> Ooh, a map. <laughs> <laughs> Let me flip through these yellow pages and see what's coming next. Okay, um, right. I loved uh, Xander Berkeley is going for it in this movie mm-hmm. uh, as the character Yo-Yo. Um, yeah. He is like drugged out from the beginning. Like he is so committed to this part. And... Like, I mean, it's, you know, it is the movie. I don't know where he is in his career, but like he just was so into it and really like committing like hell to this like drugged out white supremacist bad guy. Um, You know, he's he's a pretty good actor. Obviously, a lot of people will remember him from like, say, Candyman or uh, I believe he's in The Walking Dead as well. And um, like the uh, he was like the guy running Hilltop. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so that's just a tiny bit of his. Ryan no. connects the dots for <laughs> Erica. I said that more for Erica's benefit because I know <laughs> she she won't remember or, or remember where he's from. But I, um, would, I did not. There's a scene where um, the Omega, one of the Omega guys, <laughs> he brings Jesse some KFC. And like she's in bed now, she as unbeknownst to him, and this won't pay off till later. But she's found some chemical in a in a giant gym bag mm-hmm. because this is a, this is a soon to be gymnasium. No, it was a gymnasium that failed. Oh, I see. And so I see. now, yeah, they've they've got a six year lease, and they're just trying to figure out what to do with it at this point. Yeah. So she grabs. And that's this... the best way to carry around your chemicals. Everybody, right, right. everybody knows that for sure, for sure. Especially stuff that's toxic, the acidic stuff that'll really burn your skin. Yeah. Um, just loose in a giant gym bag. Yeah. Um, but she grabs this uh, chemicals, jumps in bed, and he like uh, he comes over to her and she's like crying and under the blankets, and he says, "It's tough, isn't it?" <laughs> it isn't easy, is it, Jesse? happening what do you are you anticipating some sort of stockholm syndrome and you guys are gonna like it is hard to be kidnapped by you yeah and it is tough and then he he like waits for a response she doesn't get one and then he kind of goes i'll be back (laughs) like (laughs) okay for more of this chit chat like i'm here for you like it was ridiculous and i was like that that that's amazing I love that he was sneaking in a box of KFC through the former gymnasium, now <laughs> Omega warehouse. Yeah. And he's trying to hide it as though he doesn't want them to know that I guess he's being sympathetic to this girl and wants to bring her food. Let me tell you something. When you get a whiff of KFC, oh, there's yeah, no dude. fucking denying yeah. it. Yeah. You, yeah. Can't, you cannot sneak by someone with a KFC mm-hmm two leg in a biscuit box and not have someone be like, did you get KFC? Like there's, you got KFC in your coat? No, no, I don't. Why do you, do you have, why, 
Why would you ask? Why just, just really strong? It just I smell like it KFC. and like it just reeks of KFC. <laughs> oh no no nope no not me no no way I'm maybe it's my I've new never, I haven't I been KFC forever, dude. I shouldn't do that. I've never I haven't been in so long. All right, um, things we hated. Mark, what's something you hated? Could, uh, is there anything you could hate from I mean, Omega Syndrome? Tough stuff. <laughs> um. Man, I just think Ken Wall was not good in this. He just, he's so dry and he doesn't, his, he has, he's not emoting anything. Like your daughter was kidnapped mm-hmm. and his emotion level is the same as when he wakes up uh, in the morning after uh, presumably having sex with the woman that he met in the bar and is like, oh, <laughs> I got to go. And you're like, I, you, you are not trying at all with this movie um mm-hmm. great head of hair uh, he's got a yeah. great physique he's a good looking guy it's just he's not there's no emotion coming from him and it was yeah. really frustrating to to me to try to sympathize or try to like be rooting for this character that's just kind of walking through this movie it was really tough yeah he gets mad at the cops a little bit that's where he sort of shows it a bit where he's like they're trying to like talk to him about stuff he's like is this going to help find my daughter but he he's more like like it seems like annoyed at cops, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. annoyed at them than he is like, come on, let's, like I gotta, f- I don't care about this. I want to find my daughter. He doesn't have that energy. That's for sure. Yeah, right. Uh, Erica, something you hated? I hated how long the fight scenes were. Like, Ooh. how many times can you get punched and kicked and punched and kicked and punched and kicked? Like they went on forever. Your complaint is how long the action scenes are. <laughs> It's not action, that, though. That is your complaint. Like, oh, I want get back to walking door to door of the white supremacists. But it was Let's get so, back to that fun stuff. It was unbelievable. Like, no one can be punched in the face 12 times. It's not a boxing match, Ken. Ken's not a boxer. Yeah, that's what I hated, Ryan. Wow. That's what I I'm, hated. The fight, I, I, the fight scenes are too long. I 100% agree with you. They were Because wow. also, for a movie that sort of build itself from the poster alone as like this is a shoot 'em up movie there's a shit ton of fist fighting yes just yeah. straight up fist fighting i'm like long fist fights don't you guys all have bazookas yeah. why are we fist fighting and also how soft are your punches because ken wall has taken 12 punches to the face and he's fine so who's punching him in the face me maybe that's saying more about ken wall you know <laughs> you what know? i mean maybe like, that's what that's that maybe it says something about him what a tough what a tough journalist he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you asked me what I hated. That's what I hated. Uh, I just didn't like how boring most of the movie was. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, it really like as Mark, Mark, Mark pointed it out, like it starts off dark and then it gets into this, like almost procedural we gotta find the white supremacist to find my daughter thing and i don't know how any of that's happening and we're just pushing off a great deal of story that the we're not properly telling as i've gone through the ending the the reasoning behind all this stuff you know again i had to watch this a few times to kind of figure some of these things out which is Mm -hmm. why i was like when it comes to the kidnapping stuff, I'm like, why are they overcomplicating this? Because it's so like, wait, what is happening? What are they doing? Yeah. So then you have to start thinking about it. And and that's when I'm starting to go, this is it's just a lot of nothing to fill yeah. time and space when we really could have 
there's still tons of questions. Yeah. Which is leads me to uh, will lead me to final questions, but not yet because we're gonna do our favorite scene first. Let's do favorite scene, Mark. Um. Well, uh, first of all, I want to say also to add to your point, Ryan. Erica, when you say like one of their favorite things about this movie is like all the scenery of Los Angeles, that speaks to how engaging the movie is. Mm-hmm. When you're, yeah. when you're yeah. like, yeah. like I just want to see the scenery shots. Yeah, <laughs> LA looked LA looked kind of cool. It's cool to yeah. see it back then. Yep. Pop that one in. I want to see LA. Yeah, <laughs> but none um, of the story. Skip the story. Yeah. Skip the story. Um, so, yes, so Ryan, my favorite scene, Mark. My favorite scene absolutely is the scene when he's typing up the story. Um, Perfect, and I'm not mine too. To steal this from you? No, but, mine too. Um, I love it. I love I, it. The, here's a the reason why he lives in such small of an apartment is he doesn't know how to fucking type, and he's a journalist. <laughs> also, like <laughs> he's typing with two fingers. Yeah, and to he's... write an article takes him three days because. Yeah. Not because he doesn't have it in his head, but because he's just like do 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 do. I I was like I was frustrated just watching him. I'm like you you got to go faster. You got and the voiceover that is going that the voiceover is like what he's typing. And honestly, the second view and I kind of figured out what it was, but like it's so broken up, and it's like tick tack tick tack tick tack if. Tick tack tick tack tick tack you tick tack tick tack tick tack tick tack it's like it's so long time for all good men come to Is that your article? Is this you typing up your diary? Is this you just going full Jack Nicholson in The Shining? Like, my daughter's gone, my daughter's gone, but you have, it's taking you all day because you can only type with two fingers. <laughs> Imagine how I frustrating mean, it was for the director to be like, we have the scene where you're going to be like typing the thing that you're like, you're thinking in your head, we're going to voice over. And he's like, I don't know how to type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Erica, that that's our favorite scene. What's your favorite scene? Um, you know, it's a real toss-up between two scenes. Mm, One being the um the tow truck scene where they escalate so quickly from like a couple shotguns to a bazooka. Like it just yeah. escalates so quickly. That one, which we've already mentioned, and also the very last scene. Oh, I guess second to very last scene of the movie when they've rescued the daughter. They're going through. <laughs> they're going through the location where she's at and mm-hmm. his buddy just pulls a beer out of the fridge and cracks it open like oh right what right, yeah this is a crime scene and yeah. you're just like job well hey done, they got everybody. beer here like he just cracks a beer apparently wait, the wait. employee fridge that yeah. has to be the employee I mean, fridge because that can't be for the fr- gen that can't be for gen pop yeah that can't be it can't be for the bubble. 
I mean, when unless it's like one of those gyms of Modelo, you, you got to you just got to take yeah, advantage. You just got to go for it, I guess. But he just so <laughs> casually opened it, like, oh, well, let's see what's in here. Like, what? He he could have pulled anything out of a sandwich, you know, <laughs> someone's medicine. Right. I don't know. Like, he just was so casual about it. I'm like, this is a crime scene. It's like he had been there before. Oh, oh was. Was Philly secretly a white supremacist? I don't know. He was a member of the gym originally. (laughs) He knew. He just knew. knew. He's like, I snuck around the employee area. I know where the good shit is. I know this is a cheat day fridge. It's filled with booze, (laughs) with booze and beer. Oh, thank you for that answer. That question mark. Speaking of questions, it's time for a final question. I knew I could figure out a segue. Um, that uh okay no i think we already talked about this one. Oh no 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 we didn't okay so final questions we're gonna do the final questions for omega syndrome we talked about the um police van uh in the beginning of the movie but where exactly was it going like it ends up near the mountains is is there like a prison where where is it going uh boy there is a prison in chino but they're not going to Chino. Mm. They're, I mean, they're going to like Dahunga. And I don't think there's a prison out there. <laughs> no, no. Um, so maybe they were just going to like a camp where yeah. people could just hang out. And shit Probably. And just like, mm. like smoke some peyote and, or yeah. do you smoke it? I don't know. I don't, I've never done peyote. I don't know. And you just, you, you, you learn how to not be a white supremacist by just doing peyote for a weekend. Okay. Um, I mentioned Al White, uh, who plays Sergeant Carlisle in this. He is essentially, seems like, the partner to Doug McClure's Detective Milner. However, Sergeant is a higher rank than Detective. So why is Doug McClure calling all the shots? Mm. Mm. Huh. Mm. Huh. Because he knows that the sergeant is a white supremacist. (laughs) So Al White, an African-American actor, is a white supremacist? (laughs) I mean, I didn't say he was a good one. I just said he was one. I mean, they'll never guess. They'll never guess. Uh Uh-huh. That is, he is undercover. Have you guys ever gone on the all cottage cheese diet? <laughs> no, but I have eaten a lot of it in my time. Uh, okay. What does I've it never, taste like with a licorice stick? Does it taste good? Never, never done that. Never done that. Well, but if, if I did do that, I'd use the licorice. I'd use the Twizzler as a straw. Yes. Mm, I was just going to say you that. Go. You bite both bite ends. the ends. Yep. Straw. Yeah. And then it's almost like a boba because then you're just drinking that cottage cheese through it <laughs> and getting those little. Those little... Like a boba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would imagine it would take a long time to finish too. So you would like maybe yeah. lose weight just because it would. <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> Marcus, crack it up. Oh, oh, like a boba. Oh, sorry. It'd probably take like okay. an hour just to get rid of one of those little cups, though, because yeah. like to, to, For sure. to get all the cottage cheese up through that. You'd be stick. like, oh, it's stuck. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> okay. Oh, one of the sorry. curds is stuck in my licorice stick. You know how it is. 
when you try to suck cottage cheese through a <laughs> licorice straw. Uh, uh, you get you guys all get me. It's LA in the mid eighties. You guys understand what I'm talking you about. You know there was an all cottage cheese diet <laughs> fad. Come on. Um, guys, granola bars got their start in nineteen sixties counterculture, but became mainstream in the nineteen eighties, raking in three hundred and seventy seven point seven million dollars in nineteen eighty five. Then in the later eighties, sales tumbled by a third. Why? Mm. I, I mean, look, he was busting out one of those Quaker Oat bars, which I had many times in my many, lunches many, in high many school. Times. Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, if the sales plummeted, they were not plummeting in, in our house. <laughs> they were a consistent. That was a cash cow mm. in our home. Eric, any guess? Oh, I was going to say it plummeted because granola bars are gross. Oh, And people oh. finally caught on. And they were like, oh. wait, these are shitty. Let's just eat something else, literally anything else, because granola bars are shit. I'd also uh, it, argue that they're not very good for you, as much as yeah. everyone tried to say that they were. Mark nailed it. That's what happened. They actually started covering them in chocolate and adding like other you know candies and stuff to them, and people basically thought these are like candy bars. They became popular because they were seen they were seen as a sort of healthy alternative in terms of eating. So hmm. uh, that's why. You know, luckily that that has not left us. We still, <laughs> bless you. We still no, no, have it, granola bars, so the the whole market didn't tumble. But uh, and if, now, if if, you, if you're hiking the entire Sierra Mountains from Mexico to uh, Canada, pack a lot of granola bars because you're walking twenty miles a day. <laughs> yeah, and you if, want your mouth to be fully dried out. <laughs> right. You want to be thirsty. You want to have difficulty swallowing. Yeah. You bring all the granola bars you want, Mark. Eric is going to bring some licorice sticks. Yep. Hell yeah. And some cottage cheese. And she's going to be walking and uh-huh. using her licorice That's stick right. straw. All the candy I want, Grandpa. <laughs> she's going to go boba on that cottage That's cheese. Right. I'm going to order that next time when I go get a boba. I'm going to be like, can I get the uh, Twizzler cottage cheese with bobas, please? <laughs> Extra bobas. Um, Cole Meany's Sean has an exchange, which makes it clear that he is not an Omega. He says to Xander Berkeley towards the end of the movie where he says, hey, this fight is your fight. It's not for me. I just want to make sure you know that. He's just a guy making bombs for them. Then, before he is shot and killed, he warns them that if they fire guns in this old gym that they hang out in, that the whole place might blow, but it never does. What is the point of Colmini at all? What is his entire point? Well, I, I have to imagine that their budget was fairly limited. And so you're not going to hire the, you, you don't have the budget to hire the best bomb specialist. So, I mean, he's making bombs for them. He's just not very good at it. What were the bombs for? It, uh, I, I don't know. They, they um, Lollapalooza. <laughs> <laughs> they have to wait. Till the 90s in order yeah. for these bombs to pay off? They were right around the corner. Them. They knew it was yeah. coming. Dude, four years from now, man, these things are going to, it's going to be lit. The bombs, I mean, the bombs are going to be lit and to they're going to go off. If I'm honest, he felt like the most relatable character for me because it was like he's doing a very hard job, a thankless job that no one appreciates him for. And when he tries to dole out information and safety information, everyone's like, 
no one listens to him. Now, look, nothing happened. Nothing happened. But because nothing happened, they're like, ugh, you know, don't listen to this guy. He's, his information's worthless. It's like the people who are like, oh, yeah, Y2K, that wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal because a bunch of people put their brains together and <laughs> corrected it before it was a big deal. I related to him. He's a big deal. Colmini, you are the bomb. Erica loves to bring <laughs> Erica loves to bring up Y2K and force it into any conversation. Any conversation. Um uh at the end of the movie, you guys might be a, a little bit more prepared for this than I thought you might be, but we'll see. At the end of the movie, Nicole Eggert asks, How did you guys find me? To which both Ken Wall and uh, his partner Philly, they both start to like answer at the same time and then they just laugh. Ha <laughs> ha. But can you guys remember how exactly they did find her? <laughs> no, no. Luck? I think dumb, dumb luck. Absolute <laughs> yeah. dumb luck. Uh, yeah. I mean, she should be mortified at the terrible sleuthing of her father. Uh, the fact that she's still alive. Uh, and that uh, KFC guy didn't uh, have his way with her, she should be feeling very lucky. Which is why I also think at the end, instead of like a normal child screaming from PTSD at the experience she just had, she's like, let's get some candy, huh? Because she's like... I am the luckiest kid alive to have been saved by these dum-dums. Yeah, it ends on like, again, to your point, they they have this dark note that they start, but they undercut it with like comedy and it ends on a comedic like, what a day. Yeah. No, which is like. No, it's practically a freeze frame and they all jump up in the air. Yeah, exactly. exactly. so, so (laughs) bad. It's bizarre. Wait, they freeze frame it before they jump in the air. So they're like about to start to jump. But they the freeze, best frame it? freeze frame it. <laughs> that's the best. The facial expressions when you're about to they, jump. They are pre-jump, <laughs> pre-jump freeze frame. Oh, okay. Well, with those questions, do you do you recall it all, Erica? Do you oh recall? God, no, I have no okay. idea. Never mind. All right. I don't know. Maybe they <laughs> smelled the KFC and they're like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> teenage girls love KFC." My God, she's in there in that old gym. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you guys later. Um, 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 I was going to go into it, but nobody cares. All right, so let's get into the research. It's more fun to not know. It's, it isn't it, though? Yeah. Um, New World release. I just always like to look at how where this came out on the calendar. We've actually kind of been near 1986 quite a bit here. So, But according to IMDb, it's released in limited release on October 26, 1986. The same day as Soul Man, by the way. Oh, oh boy! Mm. Feels like that one. That one keeps just knocking on the door. Oh no! No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Keep knocking, soul man. Keep knocking. He keep knocking, soul man. We change the locks. Soul man's knocking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It came out a a couple months after Reform School Girls, Mm -hmm. and a month before. Uh, um, sorry, months after Reform School, Reform School Girls, and a month before Wanted, Dead or Dead or Alive, which is a movie I should have chose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted, I looked into just a little bit was uh to Mark's point about Ken Wall's career because Ken Wall is a very interesting uh actor to me in, in this era because he's like a guy that was on the precipice of being an action star and then just disappeared. And so I just wanted to briefly talk about him. 
Uh, he's mostly known for the TV show on CBS called Wise Guy. Um, he's born in Chicago. He could have been a baseball player, he said, at least in the minor leagues. He got a knee injury, so he started going into acting. Uh, he st- gets his first movie in 1979's The Wanderers. And then uh, a couple years later, he plays opposite Paul Newman and um, Fort Apache, the Bronx, which mm-hmm. I have to think is like it was a pretty um, has to be what sort of like catapulted him a little bit in terms of fame, because the movie was number one at the box office. It was a fairly big movie. And then like uh, shortly after that, he's in 1982's The Soldier which is a movie I did watch just be, for this podcast because it had Ken Wall in it. And it's directed by James Glickenhouse. And I love James Glickenhouse movies. He did The Exterminator. In fact, this is the movie he did after The Exterminator. He did The Soldier. And Ken Wall is great in it, but he uses them very wisely. He doesn't say a lot. That said, James Glickenhouse doesn't like to have his characters say a lot in his movies. So they don't talk all the time. But that's a really good movie. And in the commentary, James Glickenhouse says that Ken Wall was the biggest star of the movie and you know so he was the biggest name so i have to think what name would he have at that point i would have to think it's fort apache the bronx anyway um then he does like a couple more movies including purple hearts and he a dirty dozen sequel that was on tv and then he does a tv show called double dare not that double dare Mm. oh he wasn't covered in slime (laughs) no he wasn't mark summers (laughs) Wait, was Mark Summers the host of that? Yeah, he was. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's not Mark Summers. It's a, a TV show with Billy D. Williams that got canceled after six episodes. So he starts oh, doing man. that. Then he makes another movie called The Gladiator. Not that Gladiator. Uh, are you not entertained? <laughs> it's a different movie that they made for theatrical and ends up going to TV. That's oh. where it gets mm-hmm. played. Then he does Omega Syndrome which does not do well. Uh, you take any, take a stab Shocker. in the dark as to why. Shocker. Hard All to believe why. <laughs> All that granola. All that granola. Not enough KFC. That's what I like. I like more KFC. I like that people turn their backs on granola, but in fully embraced kfc <laughs> yeah well, we won't eat kfc that is alive and well well they're tricking us to eat garbage well, let's get some kfc because yeah. i'm pissed at this shit let's go down to the colonel and get some dinner um funny <laughs> enough kfc is now owned by pepsi so i don't know it all wow. roads lead back all roads Full lead circle. back um okay so uh, two after- men enter but one lean man leaves <laughs> <laughs> So after Omega Syndrome, that is when Ken Wall gets cast uh, in Wise Guy, which is a TV show about a guy who's like going undercover with the mob, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, not and that Wise Guys with Russell. Oh, that's not, the nice guys. Not, not, Never mind. No, no. There is a movie called Wise Guys with Joe uh, Piscopo. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So not that one. Um, so he, uh, where am I at? Okay. So he goes on a wise guy, which, um, he does for three seasons. He actually left cause he had, he didn't agree with CBS and the direction of the show for the fourth season. And they continued on without him. I did not remember that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, of course that didn't do well in season four and they ended up canceling it before they aired all the episodes they shot. So People were like, no, Ken Wall. No, thank you, wise guy. Who's the wise guy now, CBS? <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so he does a couple more movies, including, if you've ever seen this one, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this one, The Favor. It's a romantic comedy with Brad Pitt 
and Bill Pullman and Elizabeth McGovern. Um, but he retires after a wise guy reunion movie in 1996. And the reason is he had a accident and he broke his neck. <gasps> yeah. Oh, God. And he said it was a motorcycle accident. But truth be told, in a art in a interview in 2004, I believe, with Entertainment Weekly, he said that actually he broke his neck because he was leaving the apartment of a girl he was seeing and he tumbled down the stairs and he broke his neck. And she didn't want him to say where he was doing where he was that where he was. So um, he said it was a motorcycle accident. That woman was Joan Child who was also dating and eventually married Rodney Dangerfield. So. <laughs> uh, wow. Man, she had, a, she had a real diverse taste. Yeah. Yeah. Joan, I got a guy I want you to meet. He's really your type. I don't know. What is he, like an old school comedian or like a young handsome guy with a mullet? Yeah. Is he a handsome guy with a <laughs> mullet who's in really good shape or is he like an old man with buggy eyes? <laughs> Who just can't get any respect. Um, Come on, what are you doing? Oh, God, that was my Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) Come on, what are you doing? Jeez. (laughs) I'm embarrassed for that. Impersonation. (laughs) To be fair, you've been eating cottage cheese through a licorice stick all day. And you're losing weight rapidly. Thank you very much. Omega Gym is closed because of COVID. I can't go work out. Uh. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So it caused him severe pain, this neck injury, obviously. And he, you know. Well, yeah, he broke his fucking yes. neck. And, uh, and so he, he decided to take care of the pain with, like, alcohol oh, and no. other things. And so he basically, you know, tries to make a couple movies. And once they do the Wise Guy reunion, he barely makes it through the entire thing, he says. So once he finished, he was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And now he... Uh, he is uh, supports charities that try to give pets to veterans with PTSD, and that's pretty much what he Aww. does now. Hmm. And uh, he stays out of the public eye. Um, but oh. there was a moment to me, and Soldier watching the Soldier was really like indicative. Like, there's a moment this guy could have been an actual action star. He really yeah. could have. And after Wise Guy, I mean, it's odd in general in the 1980s for a guy who starts in movies to then go to television. It's less weird now. In fact, it's almost expected. Yeah. And but guys that were in TV or actors that were in TV didn't usually when they're in TV, they don't normally jump out and then start doing a a movie career. And this guy started in movies, went to TV and I think could have jumped back into movies and been an action star. He was an action star almost right away. And it's kind of amazing. Like he's three or four movies in when he's doing the soldier. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's maybe 10 movies in or so when he's making this Omega syndrome. So I don't know. It's just odd. And so I made me think like, are there other eighties action stars that almost kind of were starting to make it and then just didn't. Can you think of any? Uh, I mean, um, Richard Greco. Well, oh, isn't wow. he 90s though? Is that 80s or 90s? Uh, well, when did uh, 21 Jump Street start? I think that's late 80s, but I'm wondering when Greco started making more action movies. We're talking early 90s, but but to your point, that's still a good. That's still one that 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 is a very uh, that is still a very good. That's a good one. Yeah, he's kind of a Ken Wall of the 90s, I would say Greco, because Greco comes into I think it's late 80s they start 21 Jump Street. But he doesn't come in until a little bit later. 
Right. And then he did try to get into some action movies and he did really poorly. Oh, yeah. And that kind of ended. What about uh, Michael Gross from Family Ties? <laughs> he, If you are keeping up on the Tremors franchise, he's still an action star. Yeah. yeah. I think but, he succeeded. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I had a couple names. Uh, for one, Jesse Ventura. He does Predator. Yeah. He does The Running Man. Oh, yeah. He does Abraxas. Uh-huh. He yeah. does Demolition Man. Yeah. And then that just kind of falls apart. Well, he became the, the governor of Minnesota, so that yes. kind of took yes. some time. That took, yeah, that took him away from, from the Hollywood spotlight. Yeah. Um, Peter Weller, I would say he's a little bit more successful than Ken Wall, but he yeah. had like Buckaroo Banzai, which isn't quite action, Robocop, Leviathan. He also mm-hmm. did Shakedown with James Glickenhouse. That's also a James Glickenhouse movie. Um but his career really transitions in 1991 with Naked Lunch. And then, like, yeah. from there, he does a lot of thrillers because it's the 90s. But he does also a lot of comedies. Like, his career goes all weird. But he was, for a time, kind of making action movies. And he kind of veers into, like, weird films or dramas or neo-noirs. Basically, you know, like, you know, men with a, obsessed with doing... Not exactly action movies. Which one's Peter Weller? <clears throat> Robocop, the guy who plays Robocop. Oh, okay. Um, Michael, <laughs> Michael connects the dots for <laughs> I said, I said Michael Bean. Mr. Bean? I don't know. Mr. Bean? No, Michael though. Bean. Who in the hell's Michael no. Bean? From well, Mike, Aliens. He, he's from Aliens, the Terminator, Terminator and the Abyss. Yeah. Oh. But he didn't try to make it as an action star per se. He did try for like leading man status and he did like late 80s, 90s. He's doing Navy Seals with mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen, Time Bomb, mm-hmm. which I think I definitely saw back then. But I saw the cover of today. Talk about a poster that made me want to go. I need to see this movie like immediately. It looks like it would be awful. Uh, K2, if you remember K2. Yeah, yeah I do. I it's, do. Uh, like going off that like cliffhanger. Like, yeah. Kind yeah. Of movie. yeah. Yeah. Oh. What about Hulk Hogan? Oh, I did no think about, barred. yes, No Holds Barred. But that's kind of like it, though, right? Yeah. He didn't really what? do many other, like, action Well, you movies. said people that didn't quite make it. So, like, Vanilla yeah, Ice yeah. wasn't cool as ice. And he didn't quite make it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But that movie, I mean, <sighs> you got you, you, you to leave that zero and get with the hero. You know what I mean? So, like... <laughs> Oh, I do know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all do. As a, considering we watched that movie like a few weeks ago, so yeah. Um, um, another one, not a great example. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, but I, you know, I, I was just trying to look through. Dolph Lundgren kind of makes it, but he does Masters of the Universe, The Punisher. Mm-hmm. His, I think he kind of gets. He makes it. He redeems himself much later. If you're gonna put him in there, know? then you have to put Harrison Ford in there. <laughs> Harrison Ford, I would say, <laughs> arguably, is playing Indiana Jones and Jack Ryan. He's doing pretty well as an he's action fine. star. In fact, they're going to do Indiana Jones 5, and he's like 80 years old. So he he's was still in doing The fine. Fugitive. He's fine. I think it's just an odd, it's it's hard to find somebody like that. Richard Grieco might be the, the, the closest analog. Richard because Richard Grieco is a great one. Because, because didn't you all forget about Richard Grieco? Yes. Until Mark just said Richard Grieco. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, it's hard Richard to Richard Grieco, it's like, yes. Even somewhere, yeah. I'm back. I'm back in podcast, baby. Yeah. 
Richard also, Grieco, we'd have you on at any Richard time. Grieco, we would have you if on. You're listening. Yeah. You're the next guest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I, and and it'll be a double episode because yeah. we've got yes. lots. Of no, we we're, we're gonna do a retrospective. Yes. Of the Greek. The Greek. We're gonna go and we're gonna call it Going Greek with Richard Grieco. <laughs> TMing that. That's mine. It's going on a T-shirt along with pit dick <laughs> and coma boner. Uh, well, well, okay, mouth pockets. One. What what about what about that dude uh that played Robin in the Batman and Robin movie? Chris O'Donnell? Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How mad I is mean, Ryan? Yeah. How mad is Ryan right now that I didn't know who Peter Weller was, but I was like Chris O'Donnell <laughs> immediately. Like no hesitation, knew Chris O'Donnell. Cuz I'd have to cuz then you could go with um uh, 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 oh, what's her name from Clueless? Because she was in one of the Batman movies too. Alicia was, Silverstone. Yeah, yeah she, was, she was also a one and done action star. <laughs> <laughs> she is also in Batman and Robin, though. That right? Yeah. Like that would be the yeah. same yeah. one, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, he was also in Three Musketeers. <laughs> That's action. Come on, dude. Oh, I'm sorry, Alicia Silverstone. They're both. No, no, she's in Batman and Robin, but Chris O'Donnell's on two. He's in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. How I I really wanted to forget all that information, but it, now it's back. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he, that's that's about it. A vertical limit? Uh, no. Ooh, mad love. That's not an action one, but I'd really like to watch that again. <laughs> a climber must rescue his sister on the top of K two. This is like when we were in we were insane for K two around in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh, yeah, he cliffhanger screwed us up for a long time. But does does being on NCIS Los Angeles sort of like make him somewhat actiony? Like he's been on that show no, for a long have, time. Have you? But like he's no. that's like a cop drama, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a cop drama. Yeah, it's that's been on forever, and the three of us have absolutely no knowledge <laughs> of that show. That is it for this episode of the New World Podcast. That was Omega Syndrome. Check it out on Tubi or get that Scorpion disc, or don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awful no get the scorpion disc at least and check it out uh so you can watch beautiful scenes of los angeles uh oh, make sure you also find us on instagram and twitter uh look us up there you can also write us at info at newworldpodcast.com we've got some great movies coming up uh, uh this month and next I think you're going to be really uh, excited for that. We got some good interviews coming up too. We got some interviews coming up. We got some really cool stuff. You're going to want to make sure that you subscribe and also leave us a five star review. It really does help. If you have a chance, please do so. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time on the new world podcast.